Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome into the No Nonsense Podcast. My name is Will Lomas, and I'm joined by neither Matthias Wadder nor Luke Worsham. Uh, they have both ditched me today, but luckily, I have a special guest, Tyler Rowland, who you know from Twitter is Tic Tac Titans and who's guest hosted here before. Uh, he's come in to help me break down all the detail and all the minutiae from the game that you might have missed, and hopefully we can have some fun. How you doing, Tyler? I'm doing pretty good, and you know... Um, I'm not supposed to tell you that those guys hate you and that's why they didn't come on. So I'm not going to tell you that, but what I will tell you is that I care and that's why I'm here. So, yeah, uh, you know, it's not, not so subtle that they always seem to plan their trips and, uh, I never get invited now. They're not that they, <sighs> they say that they're not in the same place and that they're not going together, but it is always weird when, uh, they both tell me the same day that they're not going to be here. So, you know, that's great. But uh, it's it's good that I have you here because you and I have talked on Twitter uh, a lot about this, and you know I don't think people fully appreciate it. So I want to start uh, before we talk about anything in the game. Really, I want to open the topic with the most or the conversation with the most important topic, which is is Dylan Radens a great left tackle or the best left tackle in NFL history? Well, I think that the first move for the Titans is probably to get his measurements. Like for his Hall of Fame jacket, I would honestly just, I would check that off first if I were the organization just to get that done. Um, Maybe update them down the road, but no, (laughs) I'm with you. Uh, You know, obviously, as we see on social media all the time, uh, it's either all the way down at the bottom lows or all the way at the top highs, which results in either should Taylor Lewan be sent to the moon for the rest of the season all the way to a PK tweet. So, you know, yeah. if you if you get both of those, you know that that something has happened. But overall, as the answer always is, it's in the middle. You I mean, if you watch the actual like coaches film, it wasn't a great day for Raidens overall, like yeah. if you compared him to other linemen. But considering the circumstances, con- considering some of the plays that did pop out and some of the traits that did pop out, I think considering the circumstance, considering what he's done so far this year, or lack thereof, we should say, I think overall that's why it was such a exciting performance to discuss um, and how fun the de- performance is to talk about compared to like how, how his potential meter should raise or his overall potential rating should raise. Those are two different things. Yeah, and you know, uh, you did a great, uh, I think it's almost nine minutes, the breakdown you did of the video. Different I paid two ninety nine for that. It's very, very important. Every everybody, go ahead and go in and look at it and watch it and you know do whatever sort of thing you can to make that worth it. But it, it's it's a great breakdown. It kind of explains some of the good and some of the bad. But it, it's a lot of, uh, I, I, again, it's so hard to be middling here. But it's it's a lot of if you can read the nuance and you can understand this guy didn't know he was playing until ten o'clock that morning. And oh, by the way, like not not only are you not playing, don't know you're playing, you don't know that you're playing on a side you've never played on since college, at a position that you've not been working at consistently, and you're not going to be next to Saffold, you're going to be next to Aaron Brewer, and so it's just a cascade of things that, you know, it, there there were so many reasons why if he had a terrible performance, you could look the other way, but he didn't like. 
Now, the the hyperbole, I think it was David Carr that said it, that he shut down Bosa so bad that Bosa had to go to the other side. I think it's just easier for Bosa to go against a literal turnstile in Questenberry than it is against a guy who was seemingly giving him more, you know, uh, more competition than he would expect. Yeah. Like, I, I came away thinking what I've always thought, which is the first couple of years for Radens, you should look at him as a guy who is a good positional blocker who puts himself between the defender and the ball carrier, and he's not going to drive a guy back 20 yards, but most plays you don't need him to. Like, there's times where the hole isn't developing quick enough and the backside defensive end comes kind of comes across his face. I think that happened on a foreman run. Mm-hmm. And, and there's times where, you know, he got eaten up by Willis one time. But, I, I mean, for the most part, like, I mean, I thought he held his own decently well. Like, I, I, I think the the touchdown that should have been a touchdown run behind him was him getting up and getting in the way and you know staying on his guy and I think he did that well I I think there is enough promising things here where and I'm, I'm not going to say that you agree with this but at this point I don't know personally how you can keep playing Questenberry like they're going to but the whole the whole mystique behind this was Y'all can't see Dylan Raiden's play because so you don't know, but you have to trust me that I know it's best for the team and he's not ready to play. Then he goes out there and I, he had fewer massively negative plays than Lamb does, who seemingly like he'll he'll have the first play every time he comes back in. He comes in for Lawan seems to be a strip sack. And I was which say the, that was the last time we saw uh, him. He came in for one play and it was a disaster. And then Lawan came right back in. Which, ha- like, in my brain, that happens once a year to J.J. Watt versus the Titans every single year. I don't know if it's only happened two or three times, but it seemingly happens every time right. he's on the field. So, you know, whatever. But <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to cry over that spilled milk. But the thing is, like, there wasn't one of those plays where he just looked so lost and there was a free rusher. Like, at the very least, he made contact and he stayed on. And so... I. I'm happily encouraged by that. I need to get that out of the way ahead of time because I I don't know who like who all is in what camp, but it seems like the fan base is very divided, or at least they were until Thursday on is he already a bust or you know is he a future guard? Like to me, you can put him at any of the positions except center, and he might be able to play center too. Like he's got the athleticism for it. I've just never seen him snap, but you know. It, I worry about that, though. Let me I mean, I'm not saying that you're wrong, obviously, because we don't know and we'll see what the future holds. But some of the issues in his in his play style concern me at guard. I think at guard, you do got to drive people off the ball. You do got to have a really powerful punch and get that instant movement on a nose on a double team or you know, you get up to the to the second level, it's not that big of an issue. Then you could probably positional block on a linebacker. But a lot of the blocks that were he was being asked to execute Raidens, of course, were double teams with him and uh, Brewer, where he was washing yeah. a, a, a D-end or a DT down, or uh, he was just kicking out. And on stuff like that, you don't need to have that drive blocking ability and those powerful hands and that powerful core. You can do that. But in the Titan system, of course, but you get on the interior like a Nate Davis or Aaron Brewer, Roger Saffold. I think you do have to be able to drive guys out of the hole on the interior uh, as you make your way to the second level. I think that in the Titan system, especially playing tackle, you're going to be asked to, you know, kick out like he did on Bosa about three times in that game. Really nice kick out the two Jeremy McNichols runs. Mm-hmm. He had really nice kickouts where he just. Like basketball, he just positionally got in front of Bosa and kept long arms on him, and Bosa just couldn't get around in time. So I I think that his negatives as a player that I think can be improved in time but can't be fixed, you know, I don't think he's ever going to be a drive guy with this big, strong, powerful Mm -hmm. punch and these paws. You know, he's kind of like Taylor, Yeah, honestly. You know, and maybe that's what they had in mind all along. And that's why they're not letting him play at right tackle because they want him to be a left tackle and we just don't know it. And this guard stuff is just cross training. I don't know. But either way, I guess I think with the way that he plays and his his skill set, his strengths and weaknesses, I really don't see him as a successful long term guard. So I'm hoping, as I know that you are, I'm hoping that that's not actually what they do. And as for the Questenberry thing, just quickly, I I think that they're going to roll with Quest as you 
obviously believe that they're going to do as well because Vrabel's just, I trust my vets, I trust my guys that yeah. I'm rolling with. But I think this has to shorten the leash. I mean, if Questenberry's getting beat like a drum in the first quarter of, you know, the game against Miami against like Phillips or something like that, an athletic young guy, I don't see why you put wouldn't put Ravens out there. I mean, at least give him a shot. You don't want to do it in the playoffs. But if he if Questenberry struggles for a couple of drives anytime, you at least deserve to look at how Ravens will hold up at right tackle before you get into the playoffs. If you're saddled with the worst starting right tackle in the NFL for the rest of the season because Ravens just can't hack it, then fine. But it can't hurt to at least find out based on what we saw from him on Thursday. It can't hurt. Yeah, I, I mean, week 18's coming up quick. Like, if, you know, what, whatever happens, if they get a, if they get locked into, and we'll talk a little bit about the one seed later, but if they get locked into the playoffs after this week and, you know, maybe he, maybe his knee tightens up again and Questenberry decides to sit out this game and they play Raidens, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for them. But you're right. I, I should say you can't finesse your way out of a phone booth, and that's what playing guard is. Like, you have to be able to win in a phone booth. You can win a lot more with finesse and space. So you're definitely right about that. Like, he, he cannot do ISO blocks. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about who may come back, who may not come back, who's on the COVID list, and all that fun stuff after a commercial and it it'll take 30 seconds and you should listen intently all right so let's talk about the fun stuff here uh let's start with the negatives and right now uh as of monday night the titans covid list includes five starters taylor lewan uh nate davis who was put on covid after the game Julio Jones, Nick Westbrook-Akina, and Bud Dupree, the last three who were all put on today, and then Buster Screen as well. So, I, I, let's starting with the negatives. I really don't I, – I don't, I don't want to minimize this or anything. I don't know that any of those losses hurt them anymore except for Julio just because of how defenses still respect him. Like, I, I don't know that the team – like, and I, I'm – you you know you have your opinions on Bud Dupree and I have mine. Like you know I I think that that they can get by without him, but I think they're better with him. Um, which I guess I, I guess you would say that too. But like it's just whether he's worth the money. Right. But at the end of the day, I think Derek Roberson and Ola Adaney can combine for you know a, a competent replacement. Do any of these worry you any more than the rest? Um, you know this. This might sound crazy. Uh, I know. But Nick Westbrook-Akina actually worries me the most. Uh, so it it's schematically on offense. Um, out, you know, he's a better player than Cody Hollister and a mm. better receiver by, by quite a bit, in my opinion. They're very similar in blocking, but in terms of actually doing what wide receivers are supposed to do, which is last on the list of concerns – uh, with the Titans organization and their wide receivers. They just want to make sure that they can do what linemen can do, and then they're happy with them. But uh, no, but seriously, though, in, in those in those 13 personnel sets with three tight ends, one receiver, even Titans have been running a ton of 12 lately. And in those sets, if you don't have Julio, you got AJ out there, and then you got NWI, but if he's gone, you got Cody Hollister out there, and here's where the receiving problem comes in or you got Racy McMath out there and neither of those guys are close to as good of an actual receiver as Nick Westbrook Aquina so now you're I guess without having him in and you want to take this into account the Titans like to rotate because they want to keep guys healthy you can't have AJ out there playing 60 70 snaps when the Titans want to run the ball 40 times now you're he's digging out safeties and coming in on linebackers and who knows where he gets hit from people coming in and blitzing because teams are just run blitzing the heck out of the Titans on early downs. So I just worry Nick Westbrook Aquina is the guy who goes out there and just hammers down all game long. And he might catch two or three passes in a spot, whatever. They're not going to target him on big downs, but I worry about that. And, and, and it's kind of funny because the guy I'm second most worried about is Buster screen. The two big right. names the Titans have played without them so much that I'm not as worried about them feeling it. But screen has been so valuable for the Titans in the slot outside of Jackrabbit goes down. And I mean, with 
with Chris Jackson being, uh, how's he coming back? He didn't even play last week. With uh, Jackrabbit Jenkins being off and on injured here lately, you're just not having screen. And Elijah Moen came off the COVID list, but he was on for seven days, not the five. And we'll talk more about this as we you know, go forward and get into the other parts of this conversation. But if Molden's conditioning is affected at all, you know, now you don't have that pass down slot receiver and Jalen Waddle probably going to be playing a lot in the slot and Molden doesn't have the athletic ability to in the speed to keep up with Waddle like Screenwood. And that's why they do the platoon that they do on defense. So screen and NWI with NWI being number one are actually my biggest concerns. And I know that sounds crazy, but that's what I think. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. Like it, so much of it comes down to how are the guys who are coming off of COVID or who just came off IR? Like, how are they? Like if Chris right. Jackson's a hundred percent and you know, he's full practice. Cool. Like that helps a lot because he's the faster, of the two slot corners anyway. Like he's the guy you would rather have match up with Waddle than molding any, like, like that, that would always have been the preference, like before screen came in. Then you talk about like, okay, a full week, the seven days uh, versus now I don't, did we, did the Titans have anybody come off the COVID list yesterday or the day before? Uh, the yesterday or the day before? No, I do not believe so. It, my, my only question, the only reason I ask that is because. I don't know when they tested. I don't know if they were up. I, I don't know the testing procedure. I don't know. I assume that has to, there has to be some sort of thing that they do where they get tested if they're in the COVID protocols. But yeah. given, given the extra like half a week that they had for uh, after the Thursday night game, like I don't know if they were reporting up to the facilities. It was Christmas. I don't know if they stayed home. Like I don't know if they were getting COVID tested. So I'm curious if, Molden would have come off Monday regardless of when he was put on last week because that was the first time he got tested or like the the second time he got tested or whatever because I don't like think I said, technically no I I think I think that uh, I, they're probably going to amend this very quickly but mm-hmm. I and and again this comes we have this conversation all fair we like to talk about football so getting into some of the particulars right. and little ins and out of these medical protocols you know, I'm not going to claim to be an expert on those. I'm trying to figure it out just like everybody else. But my understanding is it's it's 10 days if you're vaccinated or you can test out with negative tests. And I believe that that has even been shortened. But uh, I think that Molden did come off because I'm pretty sure that when those guys went on last week, the new protocols aren't in place yet. Right. Or in, in terms of what they're going to do this week, because it seems to change every week. Yeah. Um uh, so I think it was two negative tests, back-to-back days. If you don't do that, you're on the COVID list for ten days. But like, if you're, yeah, if you're unvaccinated, I think that's right. And then I think there's some new like, yeah, sorry, unvaccinated, unvaccinated is a straight ten days, no matter what, right? Right. That that's that's yeah. the way it still is, I believe. And then mm-hmm. if if you're vaccinated, I think there. There's either one or there's two different methods you can take where you can get vaccinated. You can get cleared in one day where you it's don't combinations need vaccine, vaccine of testing. tests like it. Yeah. Like there's different kinds of medical tests that you can do. And I know that you can test up to three times a day for, right. for the player. You can literally just test every six hours or something like that during the day, hoping to get a negative and then pair it with another negative on your next test. And then you're allowed to be out. And I, I mean, the rules and stuff, but Tyreek Hill came back after five days because he had two negative tests. He tested positive on Monday or went mm-hmm. on the list on Monday. I don't know when he tested positive, but went on the list on Monday, was cleared on Saturday and played in the game on Friday. That's five days. So yeah. that is the shortest time period. I think you can do it, but it has to be two negative tests and different combinations of three different types of tests you can use. Yeah. Like, so I guess all that to say, we have no idea. Like we, right. we've got a pretty good idea of the framework of how you come back, but you know, did they test this weekend? All, all the small like conspiracy theory, tinfoil hat stuff that I talk about on Twitter. This I don't know enough about to really create yep. those. So, yep. so we're just going to go ahead and assume that it took him the full week, and you know, we won't get tinfoily with it, and we'll see how he goes in practice. Uh, but yeah, like it, Nick, but Nick Westbrook Akeen is weird, right? Because he is. On, if you could not see his body, you would say his role is to be a jumbo tight end. 
Yes. Like, or like, or yeah. jumbo slot. Sorry. Or like a split. Type. Like one of those guys where his job is you are a run block. You are 2000 or 2020 Michael Pruitt. Like that kind of guy. Like you, he's you're freakazoid to, Ferkser. Yeah. Right. Like the good, like, he's like the opposite of Ferkser. Uh, uh, yeah. He's a better blocker than a receiver, but he's a wide receiver. It's like, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And like, for for whatever reason, like the the Titans cannot find a tight end who can do that, and no matter how much they love Swaim or you know Pruitt's just so inconsistent. But it, this would be one of those great times where if you had that guy, like put you could just split him out in the slot and treat him the same way. But I, just, I I've got no idea what they do in terms of who replaces him other than Cody Hollister, like. I mean, maybe I don't you think you can have Racy out there. So that I, I'm kind of with no, you in that sense. I, I, don't, I don't think I don't, that's a good idea. Yeah, I don't think they trust him. Like I don't think they, they should. He's not yeah. a wide receiver. He's not. Sure. He's he's yeah. a special teams guy. I mean yeah. that, and that's what it is. Yeah. So you can't use Racy McMath as a receiver. The only way he can really be out there is if you basically make him a designated blocker. Which you know, there's some utility too. Like you can do those middles screens that uh, Todd Downing loves to run that where there's one design one receiver who has a chance at the ball and you know the way good offensive coordinator structure plays uh, but like, right. you could use him that way but I mean you just you can't like it, well you know I say all that stuff it's not like Todd Downing cares anyway right like he runs out Nick Westberg Aquina uh, Cody Hollister and Racy McMath all the time and everybody knows it's a run Everybody in the building knows it's a run, and it doesn't matter. He just runs it anyway. So I, I guess it really doesn't matter to him if you know what the play is before the snap or not. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, just, I, I think that's a big uh, – you know, I know that we don't want to get off on a Todd Downing tangent because everybody's heard <laughs> all of that all the time. But I think that's a, one of the major problems with the offense when people start to talk about it is how how much Todd Downing tries to scheme up something. Instead of just running a normal yeah. play with four options or three progressions and letting Tannehill work through and make a play, he wants to do these elaborate screen passes where guys are going out on routes, but they're basically just waiting to block. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And like we saw from AJ on the third and 20, and teams are playing up on the Titans right now. Those things aren't going to work. Those little pop passes to the slot receiver, that's not going to work right now with the lack of deep shots and the lack of Derrick Henry. Like it, It's just not going to happen. So I, I think right. that he needs to – basically what happens is, in my mind, when he starts running all those schemed-up plays, the running back swing, the jet sweep, the screen passes, when he starts running more schemed plays than than other plays, I feel like he is saying, oh, trust me yeah. to make the play rather than giving the ball to Ryan Tannehill and saying trust Tannehill to find the open guy and make the pass. So I don't like Todd Downing trying to take it in his hands over giving it to Ryan Tannehill. I'd rather Tannehill be making the decisions rather than Todd saying, hey, I'm so smart that I know that this one option is going to be open no matter what. So I, I, I think it's it, it, it maybe it's not intended to be, but it comes off as arrogant to me to run so much schemed up action all the time. Yeah, I, I feel the exact same way. He think in my mind, it's clear that he thinks that Tannehill is the and he has to scheme up plays because he doesn't trust mm-hmm. Tannehill to make the correct right. reads into like, which, I mean, I would say 70 percent of the offensive failings, like in turnovers and stuff, have been times where he stares down receivers, which just was wasn't something he had a problem with last year. Like right. it wasn't an issue until this year when there's only one receiver, you know, that he's supposed to throw it to in a route. And then he has to stare him down and wait for him to make a break. And but, that's resulted in a lot yeah. of sacks too is yeah. downing cause these schemed up plays that have a pick play or a rub route or something. And it's not well executed. Our teams are playing so far up on the Titans because they don't respect them going down the field and it's not there. And it would be an interception or a pick six if he threw it. And he just has to take a sack, and then everybody starts yelling that Tannehill holds the ball too long. Yeah, and you know, even when it all goes perfectly, they had a play um, against the 49ers where there was it, it was one of those AJ Brown comes across the field, you throw it to him, and you try to turn up the corner, and Ferkser was supposed to block somebody, and he was unclear on who his responsibility was because mm-hmm. there was a safety coming down, I think, and then 
or maybe it was the slot corner was coming down and the linebacker was right there and he wasn't sure if the the read was to pass the linebacker because he couldn't catch up or what and it ended up being like a three yard gain and it was just nothing because he didn't know who to block and and that happens all the time like it happened on the reverse with uh hilliard when he was supposed to block mm-hmm. somebody and he like it, i think it was he Werner, didn't even touch like, anybody yeah yeah it, yeah, it, was, it was yeah was, he's supposed to block a linebacker and he didn't do that like it's just like i i, I don't know it, it's going to be something they have to adjust and fix in the off season which mm-hmm. the good news is for all the issues i have with Vrabel, that there does seem to be a thing where if he picks a guy to be a coordinator and he gives them two years, they figured out by the second year, like right. with Todd Downing, I think, or with uh, Shane Bowen, I think he just left him alone and let him do that. But at the very least, it, I think the real hero behind all this is John Robinson says, okay, you lied to me when we hired you. So let me give you the guys you actually need instead of telling me that you think you can win with the guys we have to get the job, because that's right. what everybody's doing is they're saying, well, I can win with Malcolm Butler, Jackson, and all these guys, and the season's over. It's like, you know what? I actually can't win with those guys because they don't really fit my scheme. Can you get me two starting corners? And uh, can we? And he's like, luckily, <laughs> I've got cupboards full of fourth round picks and later that I've stowed away. Right. So here's, you know, and that, that helps transition us perfectly into this. Uh, so one of the players I'm hoping slash expect. Is uh, the man, the myth, who you may remember from, I'm going to just ballpark it, a thousand games ago when he was a force against the Rams. And, you know, he's historically been the Titans' best linebacker that they don't play. And he finally earned a starting job. And, you know, then he gets injured and he goes on the Rashawn Evans, you know, timetable where he doesn't get put on IR, but he could be out for anywhere from four to 28 weeks. So, Right, right now, I am. I, I, the only reason I'm holding on to hope is Vrabel was asked some question in the form of uh, some of these guys who aren't playing this week. Do you expect to rest them and then uh, get to get them to play after a long rest week the next week? And he said something to the effect of, "I expect the guys who aren't out there aren't out there now to be able to come out and help us win ball games later," which basically says. He has no idea how long David Long's recovery is going to take, but right. he thinks that once he's able to start practice, he'll be able to finish it. So as soon as he can start practice, I would assume him progressing towards playing in a game. Uh, I mean, I cannot remember in the you know boomerang hour era uh, a, a non-injury de- designation that made less sense than this. So, sense to me that hour. Yeah, I don't. I mean. I think I think the only logical explanation has to be a setback or multiple setbacks. You know what I mean? A couple of weeks, they don't think it's going to be IR. He has a setback. A couple of weeks go by again, he has a setback. Yeah, I think there had to be multiple setbacks in his recovery. I think that's the only logical explanation. I mean, obviously, we're not in, you know in the medical room, so you can't know for certain. But if I had to theorize, that's the only theory that makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean. Like I keep coming to the fact that maybe he plays so fast that they don't want to play him unless they absolutely have to and blah, blah, blah. But I I don't know. Like the tenfold in me just thinks that Vrabel is a little bit too cautious with all these guys getting injured. And like, he's so quick to jump to put them on IR because, you know, he wants tough guys, but when they say they're hurt, he wants them to, you know, sit out and rest. And I, I, you know, it happened famously in the jets game when he let, Julio and AJ ride the bench and both of them end up later uh, yep. in getting injured anyway. So that didn't help. Uh, you know, you basically look, I mean, think about how differently the world would be if they, you know, they score in overtime versus uh, the jets and win that game. And they're, you know, mm-hmm. they're sitting with 11 wins right now. Like you can't, you can't play that way, but you know, it just makes you think um, talking about the linebackers, uh, we, uh, you know, I asked for questions, and I have a couple questions about Cunningham. In a dream scenario where the Titans are deep at a position for a week, and let's say that they have Zach Cunningham, David Long, Rashawn Evans, and Jayon Brown all healthy at the same time, do you put all four of those guys on the field at different times, or how, how would you mix and match that group? 
I, I think this is a good question, and uh, you know, some people feel very strongly about certain uh, outlooks of how it should be. But for me, it's pretty simple. David Long and Rashawn Evans are going to be out there starting. And if you don't do that, that's fine with me. I'm saying what I think the Titans would do there because Vrabel just seems to be endlessly loyal. If it were me, obviously, I'm going with David Long and Zach Cunningham out there together. And Vrabel loves to rotate on defense. Every other series, he puts the backup defensive line in, rotates some edge snaps, stuff like that. So for me, you just apply that philosophy to the linebacker group. You have Cunningham and Long starting, which it would probably be Evans in real world, but this is my experiment. And then mm-hmm. you bring you bring Jay on in for third downs. You probably go with your dime package with Crookshank in. If not, it's Jay on and, and David Long. And then every other series, you bring in Rashawn for Cunningham. And then the next time you do it, you bring in Rashawn for David Long. And then the next time you do it. So basically, you would drive to drive. You know, you're looking at Cunningham and Long. And then on third down, you bring in Jayon with Long. And if it's just one linebacker, it's Jayon. And then the next drive on defense, you'd have Rashawn and Long. And Cunningham would be out. And then the next drive after that, you would have. Cunningham and Evans and give David Long one series of a break. And if any of those guys are playing absolutely out of their mind, then obviously you ride the hot hand to keep it in. But you can just create a really good rotation to keep you healthy and keep you deep. And then you got rangy linebackers running all over the place, filling holes violently nonstop. And they're all fresh and ready to go. So you just take, yeah, I know. I know. Pause yeah. for a second. But <laughs> yeah. well, well, I was going to say, and then you also have uh, Jayon Brown. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like you've got you've got three violent linebackers and Jayon Brown. Um, right, of course I wouldn't play Jayon on rundowns ever. He he is purely a, a pass catching or a, a pass down linebacker, and I'm glad he's starting to feel healthy because when he first came back, I mean he was getting dusted in co- in man coverage yeah. against freaking Mark Ingram and stuff, and I was concerned. He's looked better as of late, but he's still a, a passing down linebacker, and David Long would be next in line for that. Yeah, I, like I agree with you. I think it's pretty clear that the two, the best matchup in terms of which linebackers you want to put out there is, uh, you know, you want David Long on the strong side and Cunningham on the weak side, just because that's where Cunningham thrives the most. I think mm-hmm. David Long is equally good in either scenario. But the thing that makes Long so good is he's not afraid, and Rashawn Evans does not do this as much as people think. But David Long is not afraid to just say. I know that there's a backside gap here and instead of waiting to see if he runs right into me, I'm going to go ahead and cut him off and set the edge hard and take on the puller or whatever. And then I'm going to wreak havoc there and somebody else is going to clean it up. Like Rashawn Evans wants to like, he, he desperately wants to make a big hit. He's not enough to get there. And then he doesn't have good enough to finish through a lot. He's gotten a lot better the last three weeks. Like ever since Cunningham has been on the roster, like he when whenever his spot was actually threatened with somebody else that Vrabel had allegiance to, mm-hmm. where I mean when he found out that there was a guy he used to, I mean I'm sure he was shaking in his boots. But you know, at the end of the day, you're right. He's going to be loyal to the guys that are out there. Like if you like. Rashawn Evans, he's going to talk about how hard he worked to get back and how he's healthy and how he's finally making plays. And you're going to get Evans and whoever next to him. But I, I actually like the there. They have an actual four-three defense that doesn't include Harold Landry and three defensive tackles, like in like two undrafted right. guys who are like one who comes up from the practice squad. Like <laughs> I, I, I don't want to get too much into defensive scheme, but man, it drove me crazy when uh they opened up and they had like Jeffrey Simmons playing like a seven tag or like no it wasn't Simmons to start it was it was uh, another defensive tackle playing defensive end who's playing like a seven tack and oh, like Kevin they were Strong. Up, yeah they were like lining up inside like the tack and they were just like yeah okay you know we run outside zone right it's like you know you're doing your job our job for us right and they, they didn't just, even have an overhang defender like it took no. them that whole first series they played in even fronts with three guys at the second level, like a 4-3 defense, and San Francisco just went to the perimeter over and over and over again, and then finally the next drive they started overhanging a linebacker. Even if even if you want your, your 
four-man front. You know what I mean? At least play it like a 4-3 over-under where you got an overhang linebacker like a step behind the defensive end. You can't just not have people on the perimeter against the, the scheme that the 49ers run. So no wonder they got cut up so bad on the first drive. I don't even know what the plan was there. Yeah, it, it was it was terrible. Like I, I hate it. I hate Mike Rabel's insistence on running three defensive linemen because he's done it. He he's demanded that they do it ever since uh, the Dean Pease days when he made mm-hmm. Jarrell Casey play end because Daquan Jones and Jeffrey right. Simmons were playing better at defensive tackle. Like uh-huh. it, I, I I just wish that that wasn't such a big part because it never seems to work out. But it's you know you can't pl- complain about the defense right now. They're doing too no. well. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's let's take a break. Insert a commercial here. Let everybody kind of figure out what we're you know what they want to buy, whatever we're selling. Luke always does a great job with that. But it, we'll go ahead and give probably a thirty second break, and then we'll be right back. So we've talked about the San Francisco win a little bit. I want to talk about the macro view, like and an NFC win does not help the Titans in some immense way because, you know, NFC wins are probably the least important wins, but it is a win against a team that was rolling. It's a win against a team that in a way like they were going to abuse the Titans, you know, really pin their ears back and, you know, mm-hmm. put Tannehill in an ambulance like uh, some of us on Twitter and it really it really looked like it was going to be a tough game and you know give them credit they won but the macro view now is after last weekend it's really a two horse race for the one seed between Tennessee and Kansas City so mm-hmm. before we talk about Miami just in a macro view what do you think about the Titans chances of getting the one seed like do you are you are you you know, no chance. Don't play for it. Like, don't stress, guys. Or where are you at? Um, I'm in, I'm in between two extremes, probably. I, I think that the Titans should try to win their last two games. You know, I I operate uh, under that. Um, yeah. but but I also don't think the Titans are getting the one seed. Uh, the Chiefs aren't losing. I you know don't I don't know about you, but a lot of people were in my comments on Twitter early uh, early in the early part of the season like this Chiefs team sucks. This Chiefs team's not as good as the last two years. Pat Mahomes isn't the same. Like guys, are you idiots? Like they are gonna be at the top of the and once again they haven't lost since the Titans beat them and they're gonna get the one seed and they're gonna play at home all the way through and there's probably a high likelihood that they play in the freaking Super Bowl again. Like it just. They have Pat Mahomes. I know that people for some reason want to deny it, but the dude's a freak. And it's just going to, and the defense gets to playing good. So, with that in mind, I don't think the Titans are going to get the number one seed. But this is why the San Francisco win was super important despite that. One, the Titans have to get their confidence back, like as a team, and mm-hmm. get to like, oh, we're going to punish people. We're going to put up points. We're going to make big plays, blah, 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 blah. And you look at the way that San Francisco is set up, I think it's very similar to. How the Titans are going to be played, like the the talent that the teams the Titans are going to go against. They had a really good pass rusher, some good guys on the defensive line. They had a rangy linebacker and Werner, and they didn't have a, a super great secondary because it's a tad banged up. Well, if you take a look at Buffalo, they lost Tre'Davious White. They got two good safeties, but Levi Wallace got hurt in that game. They're dealing with some banged up cornerbacks, but they still have a really good front seven. The Colts. Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner, they have some good guys there, but they're not as talented on the outside at cornerback. So I think the type of defense that the Titans played against and the creativity and the talent on offense, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Kyle Shanahan calling plays, like San Francisco had been a really good team coming into that game. So I think beating a good team that has some similar qualities, the teams you're going to see in the playoffs is really, really important. And then also here's the big thing. The one seed. I know we all want the one seed, the one seed, the one seed, (laughs) the the two seed. I don't want to play Indy in round one. I don't want that to even be a possibility. And as long as the Titans, because right now the Bengals would have the conference tiebreaker over the Titans. So if for some reason the Titans lose and tie with the Bengals, they're going to drop to three, and who knows what happens with Buffalo down the stretch. I'm just saying the Titans do not want to drop to four and have to play against Indy. And in the rounds after that, 
if you play three or four, you want home field advantage over them. So I, I think the two seed, although it's not the one seed, is still super, super important for the Titans. Good news with the Bengals is that like their next game is the Chiefs. So like if they if they win like you know if they win that game, then the Chiefs get knocked down, and then the Titans have the tiebreaker with them, and they'd be on top of them, so they'd be the one seed. Like that, like if it like it's hard to get pushed. They can get the seed, obviously. I think what would have to happen is the Titans would have to lose it out. Uh, mm-hmm. The Colts would have to lose one. The Bengals would have to win out, and the Chiefs would have to. They would have to lose to uh, the Bengals, but then win their next game. I think I think that squares everything up. Or I guess they could lose out, but you know it's it's hard to get there. But you're right. Like the two seed is important. Like you know you want you always want to go against the worst team that you can. You know theoretically, yes. and the worst team and in the AFC got, this year is going to be a a really beatable team. You know we're we're yeah. talking about uh, who's there right now, the Chargers, or the Chargers are right outside of it. Yeah, like, I mean, it's going to be one of those teams, and, you right. know, Baltimore has, you know, they're as banged up as the Titans are, except exactly. their, their wide receiver position is their corners. So, you know, I am so tired of playing Lamar Jackson in the playoffs. I mean, you know, it's been been real hit or miss. I feel good about it this year, personally. Easiest possible matchup. You know... I think if the Bengals played the Colts, you know, this is getting way ahead, but like if the Bengals played the Colts, I think the Bengals be the Colts by 20 points. Uh, I mean, I don't think, I, I mean, I don't think that the, I mean, I think the tight, like AJ Brown put up what, like 130, 150 yards, something like crazy on the Colts defense. And that was when they were like, yeah. m- like decently healthy. And then I think Julio had like, one really good half against them before he pulled his hamstring inevitably. Like, I mean, I, I think like, I, and they pretty much handled that game on offense. Cause remember that's the game where the Titans had like two fumbles inside, like the Colts 10 yard line where Nick Westbrook, Akina had one. And then there's mm-hmm. an interception lights, what it was, but it yeah. was like tipped interceptions and all that. Like early in the season, you know, bad turnover luck. Like but Wentz had, couldn't but, move. So I kind of, that's why I kind of like, that's, eh. That's true, but like I don't think you want to be in a shootout with Joe Burrow if you're Carson Wentz. No, like the Colts I, don't want to play in a Carson, shootout. We're seeing what's happening with the Colts right. as we get into December football. And we get into playoff. Everybody wants to be mad about Ryan Tannehill and how he stops throwing the ball a bunch in the playoffs, and you know he's throwing for 150 yards on you know 13 of 18, and people are like Tannehill yeah. can't get it done. Well, wait till you see what Frank Reich does with Carson Wentz when it gets down to yeah. the nitty gritty, and Wentz throws the ball 13 times and they run it 40 to JT and Hines like. Some we, some teams go to this style, and yeah, they don't want to be in a shootout, but I think that if you get pressure on Joe Burrow, that offensive line is still bad, and like the Titans, they've given up a ton of sacks. So I think when you don't get pressure, which the JV practice squad of the Ravens couldn't get pressure on Joe yeah. Burrow, so he could just sit back there and cut all day, I think he's the type he's going to start throwing picks, he's going to start crumbling if you get pressure on him. So that's why I know you're talking about the Colts playing the Bengals, but if the Titans got to play the Bengals, I would feel good about that as well. Yeah, like, I, again, not to sound cocky because we could go out and we could watch them lose to the Dolphins or you know the Texans. We've seen them do it once already this year. And so you know it, it wouldn't shock me, but you know at the same time, like if the if you're telling me, okay, we're gonna drop you into the playoffs, we're gonna give you the one seed and all the rest you want, like you're gonna get a healthy Henry Julio and AJ Brown, like in this defense, like I I am not scared of any team in the AFC, right. like they've already beaten right. the Bills and Chiefs, like even though the Chiefs were struggling at that point, like. I don't think that the Titans. I mean, that was the game. I would where, still be scared uh, of the Chiefs, but I get the overall sentiment. Oh, I, I would still. Yeah, yeah but yeah, the, the Titans. The Chiefs, beat like, all the Chiefs of those are scary, except the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, like the Chiefs are scary. Like the Chiefs are a scary team because they have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Like and and they have playmakers on defense. defense. Yeah, 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 like that. Like 
they they have the they have similar components to what the Titans have, except they have Patrick Mahomes instead of Derrick Henry. Like that's kind of their like trade off and where their elite talent is. So you know, it, deal with that when it comes to weekend bigger weekends of the Titans season because yes. if the Titans can manage to win and if uh, you know the Bengals stay healthy and COVID free throughout the week and they get you know a Kansas City team that's already locked up a playoff spot and they're just focused on seeding right now like I, I mean especially after they just put up 400 million yards on uh, the Ravens defense like I, I mean that that could be a very interesting matchup uh, it so, has to be for like, the Titans. <laughs> you know, yeah, you gotta yeah, I mean, like, if you're, if you're the Titans, you don't, you know, you can't have Vrabel come out and say they had a funeral for us and then go lay an egg again. Like, you're done. Like, right. so, you know, I meant to touch on the, on the injuries, but supposedly, like, Derrick Henry, the, the, the quote this morning was that they're, they're thinking about getting him for a week. And this was not from anybody. This was from Tom Pelissero, I believe. Uh, it was, it was that they're hoping to get him back in week 18, knock some rust off. I, I just thought this would be the week to do it where you get to play at home. You know, you're staying at home. Miami's coming here on a short week. They'll be banged up and not as, you know, not as difficult to deal with, but I, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, let, let's, let's quickly cut to, uh, Miami. I have not watched a Miami game since I watched the Miami and Texans game, which was horrifying to watch. And now all of a sudden they're the hottest team. Like, have you spent any time on them yet? Uh, not a ton of time on Miami. That's kind of my, uh, my Wednesday project. Typically, Mm -hmm. uh, no lie. I took a few days to, uh, enjoy the holiday before getting back into my normal, like weekly swing. But, uh, one thing I do know is that Jalen Waddle, when he's out there on the field, it totally changes the Miami offense and two is looking to be efficient and you got to disrupt timing. So I'm expecting a lot of press man coverage to disrupt the timing of the routes Two is a very schemed quarterback. He wants to be on time with everything and make sure everything's efficient, I guess. So you got to disrupt the timing. So I'm expecting like a ton, a ton of press man coverage and crowding the line of scrimmage. Not a lot of blitzing. I don't think the Titans want to blitz and give Tua easy throws because uh, he's going to turn over the ball. Tua will throw interceptions. So I, I think that they're going to simulate a lot of like high aggressive pressure, but then ultimately just be dropping back and letting the front four you know, do what they do. I don't expect to see a lot of like blitz, especially the slot blitzes. They're going to throw so many little pop passes to Jalen Waddle. That I don't expect to see a lot of a lot of slot blitzes. But the good thing here is Mike Vrabel seven and zero with extra preparation in the season. So coming off a Thursday night football game or coming off a bye. So hopefully that extra preparation, even with the COVID and the injuries and all that, hopefully that pretty much locks in a win for the Titans. I'm hoping. Yeah, like you know the the short week for them, the travel distance, all that. Like you mm-hmm. know that that all bodes well for the Titans. At you know your, your boy Dane Crookshank coming a lockdown tight end solver versus Gasicki yeah. should be a good matchup. Uh, let's go ahead. Let, let's go ahead and not jinx everybody too much because I've got a bad habit of that. So uh, let's go ahead and go into our stop the nonsense. Uh, I, the one I have from Luke this week, and I'm sure everybody's seen the rounds is uh, when the reporter seemingly did not care about her life and, and asked Bill Belichick <laughs> what his New Year's resolutions were in a post-game yeah. press conference uh, after they had just lost uh, AFC Bills. Uh, that was insane. Next week, because he, he, had, he had some funny things in, the, uh, in our Twitter DMs. So I'll, I'll let him talk about that. Uh, mine is uh, just sort of a general over elaborate, but the unwillingness for people to understand why, even though the Titans had a twenty point second half, why suddenly figured that the stars of this offense have basically like exceeded the scheme and and all that, like the Todd Downing defense. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to make a big deal about it, and I wouldn't have even brought it up if it didn't happen in my mentions so frequently after uh, A.J. Brown basically set records 
Right. Uh, but then everybody forgets they had to call bad plays in the first place to get into those third downs. And the the logical, <laughs> the, the, the cognitive dissonance that has to go on with that is <laughs> so, so bananas to me. Um, so I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Y'all check my Twitter things I've said to people. That that will fill you in on stuff I might not be able to say on uh, Skype right here. <laughs> All right, Tyler, you got anything uh, that you want to drop for your stop the nonsense? You you want to jump in and throw some bows here? Yep, just one thing. I'm trying not to die over here. Uh, <laughs> got me at the worst time. Uh, the one thing I wanted oh, to say is everybody. Uh, Everybody is just crushing Julio, and I get it. I really do. There's no production there, but I just want to say that having Julio Jones on the field changes the way defenses play differently from the other options. Nick Westbrook, Aquino, Cody Hollister, Racy McMath, Chester Rogers, uh, those guys. So I know that Julio hasn't uh, been great. I get, I get all the frustration, but please don't forget that Compared to the other options that the Titans have, even a uh, less than perfect Julio Jones is is still a massive upgrade and um, definitely something the Titans need if they want to win a Super Bowl this year. So just keep that in mind. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah, the stats bear it out. Like the Titans score more points when he's on the field than when he's not. And unless you want, you know, Racy McMath or, you know, Des Fitzpatrick out there running outside on you know the X or the Z or whatever like don't, you can't you can't complain without a replacement so right. uh, that'll do uh, you know three hosts on here and if not I'll beg Tyler to come on again uh, Tyler can you tell the people where uh, they can reach you and find your content Yeah of course uh, I'm always uh, spitting out things people don't like to hear but also doing some good film work at uh, Tic Tac Titans on Twitter. So you get a combination of bad takes and good film. So I like to keep balance in life. Uh, and then, uh, of course, I do the Locked on Titans podcast, which is every day, Monday through Friday, any podcast app and on YouTube as well if you want to see my ugly mug nonstop. So that is where uh, you can find me. I do write an article every week for the USA Today, breaking down something film-related with some clips and stuff like that on the Titans Wire. So you could check that out, too, if you were so inclined. Yeah, it's all... It's all great stuff. You've heard me endorse it here and on, you know, on Hittus podcast and all that. Like, you know, uh, Locked on Titans is maybe the only Titans podcast I listen to throughout the week. You know, it's it's all great stuff. You know, <laughs> I mean, go go check out the video content or, you know. I think when you're listening to this will be the, the film breakdown and you'll get all those nice clips. So, yeah. Uh, until next week, uh, this is me for Tyler and Luke and Matias in complete absence, and uh, you can blame them and harass them on Twitter. All right, yep. thank y'all. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.